watching The Sodak Crime Show, Episode 2, Stupid Dumb Serial Killers. Welcome back to The Sodak Crime Show. I'm your host, Riley Christofferson, and today I'm joined with the fabulous Madison Miller. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad Thanks for having you. me. Yeah, I'm, I'm so, so excited. excited. Fun. Okay. Yeah. So... I'm officially moved into college, which is kind of I crazy. know. It's so oh, sad. I know. I'm honestly, it's been a little rough, but we're getting, we're getting through it. We're well, working on it. Well, debate so without you. Oh, yeah. I miss you guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's sad. I know. We miss you too. Oh. And it's just like, I, I especially miss somebody guiding me through oh. what I <laughs> need to be doing. It's just been... It's been interesting. I mean, probably not going to be here for too long, but, yeah. you know, Ugh, college yeah. kids are kind of stupid, but what can you do about what it? What can you do? I mean, yeah. high schoolers aren't much different. So. Exactly. Yeah, I was going to ask you, how is it at the high school? It's fine. I mean, it's it's kind of what I expected it to be. You know, right. you have people who wear their masks under their nose. and Right. So I started redoing my home office just in anticipation oh, for having to teach at home. Nice. Yeah, which yeah, I don't want to do, but. Yeah, I didn't. So like moving here, I was just like, I'm so ready to go to college and be on my mm-hmm. own. And oh boy, am I homesick. <laughs> really? Oh no. It's like, it's been a little rough. I think it's just because like they moved us in early and there's not yeah. been much to do. And so it's just like. No Oof, things to meet, it's... new people. Yeah. Yeah. It's so it's just been kind of interesting, but mm-hmm. just I think this week will hopefully be a little better because all my classes. Oh, I was going to tell you. So I decided I switched one of my classes I was taking. So now I'm taking mock trial. Oh. And so it's like kind of like a team thing. Yeah. Ooh, I and love there's that. There's tournaments and stuff. <gasps> They're all Shut mad. Up. What? Yeah. I know. Oh I'm my so God. excited about it. <laughs> That is so cool. I know. So that'll be I didn't even know that was like a thing. Yeah. So that'll hopefully be really fun. I'm looking forward to that starting. I love that. Yeah. That'll be, I think, I don't know. It's going to be a lot of work, but there's really not much yeah. else to do, but do homework and stuff because I'm so not going to go, I'm not, I'm not going to parties and stuff because I care no. about the well-being of other people. Oh, wow. That's very unique <laughs> to hear nowadays. I know. Sorry to call all the people out here that aren't doing that, but, you know. No, they deserve, deserve to be called out, yeah, when you're doing stuff you like that. deserve it, but. Hopefully yeah. the spring will be better, though, and we'll have, you know, right. things. Yeah, and there's, there's, no, there's no sports here. There's no, there's nothing. <laughs> Which blows my mind because we have sports. Yeah. And so it's like, why, why do we have sports? You know? I know. I was oh, going to go to an outdoor yoga class this morning. And yeah. It was at 11. But uh-huh. apparently it got moved back an hour. So I missed oh, it. Oh, no. Which was really upsetting. <laughs> yeah. That would be but, so nice. I'm into that outdoor yoga. I know. It was, I was so excited about it. And then I showed up and they were like finishing. And I was like... Ugh nice awesome. nice <laughs> so so yeah but it's been it's been good my parents visited yesterday they like oh. came through they're going to sioux falls so we got lunch and oh nice they dropped off a bo- box of stuff that i've forgotten my mom threw a box of tissues <laughs> oh <laughs> which is no. really funny but like honestly because i was using a toilet roll yeah and i cut that out 
I don't know if I want everyone to know about that, but I met you. Knowing that I've been crying, but like it's a stressful time, okay? Like <laughs> I, I can't be the only one out there. That's... It's such a stressful time. Ugh. Anyways, oh my god, you're not, you're not. Yeah, I just there's a few events mm. happening this week, so I'm hoping I'll make some some friends that I vibe with. That's my problem. Is like everybody that I've met, just like not really. Not into it. Not really my type of person yet. Mm -hmm. So hopefully that'll Mm. get better. You'll get there. It might just take a little longer because of the pandemic. Exactly. We'll get there eventually. As I mean, probably not going to make it through September here, but. Right. (laughs) But we'll work on it. Okay. We'll work on it. (laughs) Anyways, so enough about me. Um, Enough about all of the sad COVID crap. Why don't you introduce yourself a little bit and tell everyone who you are and what you're all about. Okay, I'm Madison Miller. I'm an English teacher and debate coach at Mitchell High School um, here in South Dakota. And I wasn't really into true crime. I don't think you even know this, Riley, but I wasn't really into true crime at all. Like it really like disturbed me. Like when I would listen to, you know stories about murders yeah. I would just be shook but then you did your whole inform mm-hmm. and during quarantine in the spring I was like I'll just I'll give it a try again mm-hmm. and I did and I'm so obsessed with it like the I told you that I was like really into those Tylenol murders yeah, and it's, so good. it's <laughs> so good it's just so interesting and like yeah so I'm into true crime lately mm-hmm. um good good I haven't watched that BuzzFeed Unsolved I need to do that oh, but yeah, BuzzFeed Unsolved is really good right um I'm also getting into like the paranormal like Ooh, oh, you know those they, kinds yeah, of they have like podcasts a, too yeah like the BuzzFeed they have like true crime unsolved but then they also have like a whole one that's about like ghosts and stuff oh snap i didn't know yeah they have like a paranormal one that one's kind of i love that me out (laughs) and i've never been into ghosts but now i'm on like the witchy side of tiktok and i'm super the every i'm a witch i've decided um it's been decided it's been decided um I had no say in it it was all the tiktok witches Mm -hmm. who told me that but Mm -hmm. so i've been getting really into and halloween spooky season but i've been getting into all the crime and all the paranormal stuff well i was i was just talking to my mom earlier she's like i don't get how you're like i don't know how you like that sort of stuff like why do you like listening to all that isn't it creepy and i'm like (laughs) but like it's all about like learning more about the human behavior i feel like yes you know like the psychology behind it so true it makes you so like observant like now I just like see people walking on the street or like I just notice like certain behaviors and stuff and it's like so interesting Uh you like pick up on things that you normally wouldn't wouldn't even Mm -hmm. think about which Mm -hmm. is pretty good I mean yes so true creepy story yesterday so I was sitting outside in my dorm hall waiting for my parents to come pick me up to go to lunch and I was sitting on like a bench and this outside and this guy like pulled up in a car into like the parking lot or whatever so like I was in the bench like next to like right up against the building he was like a like a good like 10 20 feet away in the parking lot but he like rolled down his window and was like hey I gotta tell you something and I was just like yeah you can tell me from the car like like what do you need to tell me and he's like no you have to you have to come here and I was like no (gasps) no 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 and so I was like no and then he like he's like are you gonna have to make me like get out and come tell you and I was like 
uh no you yeah just not tell me i really don't care and then he like pulls out of the parking lot really angrily and like i can see him coming back around so i just like fl- i was like fuck <gasps> this i went inside i was like i'm not i'm not doing that oh like, my I'm not god with it. <gasps> i know it's just and it was like outside my dorm hall like on campus just that is so terrifying yep but it's like that's the one thing is like so you know our my favorite podcast my favorite murder which mm-hmm. I'm sure you've been listening to. Oh, yes, yes. But one of their things is, like, just fuck politeness. Like, yeah, no, you, nobody deserves, like, you don't have to be nice to anybody, like, yes. to a stranger. Like, they they don't deserve your niceties if you don't right. know them. So yeah. it's, like, don't try to be polite. Like, if you don't aren't comfortable in a situation, just, like, book it out of there. Which is, know? I feel like, so hard for us Midwesterners because, you know, we have yeah. to be like, I have yeah. a kind of a story like that, too. When I lived in L.A., I was, there was, like, uh-huh. my apartment and then my school was about a mile away. And we're, like, in the middle of L.A., right? So I'm walking right. home one night at, like, 10 o'clock p.m. Should I have been walking home alone in Los Angeles? Maybe not. But <laughs> I was doing it and mm-hmm. this guy followed me the whole way yeah. and I was just so I mean I was tired first of all. Yeah. Over it. I like I missed my yeah. family. I was just all around crabby and like you know normally I would just like run home and be scared right. and be like oh my god or like fake a phone call right. but I just turned around and I was like can I fucking help you? Yeah. Like hello. <laughs> hello. Can you and, like you know, Ugh. like, can you do you need something? Yeah, and then he, you know, no, no, and then walk past me or whatever. But yeah. I never would have done that until I started. I mean, I guess I wasn't into crime shows back then, mm-hmm. but now after listening to all these crime mm-hmm. shows, like, if you even get too close to me, I'll yeah. be like, nope. What's your fucking problem? Like, yeah, <laughs> like, I don't, I, I, I have trust issues, I don't trust anybody until like I get yes. to know them. Like, but like, nobody does it, like, they don't. They don't deserve your your trust until they, they don't. can prove it. Like right? they have to you have to, you know, earn that and like that's you know, that's like a self defense thing. Like yeah. you just gotta you know, you may they may like call you a bitch or something, but honestly, like, yeah, I'm a bitch. If that's, that's better than you know that's better than being <laughs> yeah. murdered. So be yes, a bitch. Yeah. Don't yeah, get murdered. For sure. <laughs> I love that. Be a bitch, don't get murdered. Okay, well, speaking of creepy guys, I guess we can start to get into our story. Always starts with a creepy guy. So today we're going to be talking about what many people consider to be South Dakota's most notorious killer, and his name is Robert Leroy Anderson. Oof, okay. Yeah, so before I start, I wanted to ask you if you, like, know anything about this, or if you've, like, heard anything about this guy. There's only really one South Dakota murder that I like m- maybe kind of know something right. about. But um I I don't think it's this guy. I mean yeah. his name doesn't sound super Mm-mm. familiar. It definitely sounds like a murderer name though. Yeah. Yeah, Reba Re- Robert Leroy Anderson. It just sounds like ugh. it rolls off the tongue like it was meant for yep. like a court or like yep. a the like news. a court order like you've yes. been charged with. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But yeah, that's the other. Interesting it, when did, thing. is like, this like a seventies? It seems like a, like um, a nineteen seventies name, Robert Leroy Anderson. It's like nineties. Like this happened in the nineties, like oh, late nineties, early two thousands. Okay. Yeah, so it was like pretty recent. But that's the thing is so interesting. Like in South Dakota, you don't really hear about these types of stories that often, right? So it's yeah. like kind of just like flies under the radar, which is really interesting. So. Yeah. I just want to say, so my source for this is an amazing website called Murderpedia, which is basically Wikipedia, but for murders. And it's awesome. 
<laughs> of course there's a murderpedia and yes. of course you found it <laughs> yes but it basically just like compiles all the different articles to like help formally formulate like um a cohesive storyline which is really helpful oh, and so the article that i use the most is one called robert anderson and it's awakening the devil and it's written by rachel bell okay. so let's just get right into it i guess right. <laughs> And just for a little PSA to everyone listening, this story is a little more gruesome, a little more dark than my previous episode stories have been. So if you're really sensitive to that, I suggest going back and like listening to my one about uh, Wild Bill because that one's a lot more tame and <laughs> a little more upbeat. But hopefully this will be interesting and you'll learn something something new about good old south Dakota, the kind of people that live here good old sodak good great old sodak. advertising <laughs> yep okay so the story starts with a woman named piper strile who was 28 years old she was a wife and a mother of two kids and on monday july 29th uh 1969 um it was n- or 1996 my bad it was um an ordinary day for her family and they lived in canisota canistota oh my yeah. god yeah canistota south dakota that's, that kind of Ooh, I, I like love that. that. I never Canistota, noticed that. Canistota, South Dakota. Okay. Okay, <laughs> Canistota. There you go. <laughs> you got it. Okay. So her son, uh, Nathan, it was her, his second birthday, and they were looking forward to celebrating later that evening. Piper was preparing to take Nathan and her daughter, Shayna, who is three, to the babysitter before she went to work at the Southeastern Children's Center in Sioux Falls. Um, and if you don't know, if you're not from South Dakota, Sioux Falls is like our Minneapolis. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Our big so, city. Our, our big, big city. So of husband, like two hundred thousand. Yeah, our huge, huge city. So her husband Vance, who was twenty nine, he had left less than three hours earlier to this for his plumbing job. Um, but sometime around mm. nine a.m., a man entered the Stryles trailer while Piper, Shanna, and Nathan were still there. And at some point, a violent struggle occurred between Piper and the man, and the children were wit- the witnesses. Oh, no. Yeah. I don't want the children I to know. witness it. I know. <sighs> like, yeah, they're, like, two and three, so they're, like, super young. Like, great time for oh, trauma my- to really just right? yeah. invest. Yeah. So the intruder then abducted Piper and left Shanna and Nathan alone, and they were utterly traumatized by what they had seen. Well, obviously. Duh. It makes me right. It makes me think. Well, did he know her? Well, I guess we'll find out. But we'll find out. I always, when I'm in my house and I'm like nervous that a murder is gonna break in, Mm -hmm. I'm just like, why would they pick this house? Like of all the houses, why mine? But then if he doesn't know her, (laughs) it just like it's just stimulates my fear of even more terrifying. Oh god, it's just random, but. Okay, so um, that afternoon, Vance, her husband, called home, but there was no answer. And then Patty Sinclair, who was a daycare worker with um, with Piper, called the house at approximately 3 p.m. because she hadn't shown up to work. And Patty was surprised when Shanna, the Shana, the three-year-old, answered the phone in a tearful panic. Oh. So... And like I said, so this, the abduction occurred around 9.30 and this phone call came around three. And so the two and three-year-old had been home by themselves all of that time. Panicking all day. Panicking. So, yeah. So Patty asked if anyone was home, but Shanna claimed that they were alone at the house. 
And Patty was even more shocked when little Shanna suggested that her parents were likely dead and then hung up. Oh, God. So Patty called back and Shanna, sobbing hysterically, said that she didn't want her parents to die. And according to court documents, Shanna told Patty that her mother left with a man she knew in a black car. So. Oh, like a man they like that her mom knew or that she well, knew? The according little girl. To, according to the little girl, um, I'm not sure exactly if it was like the little girl knew her or if the little girl thought that her mother knew this man. Yeah. But it's kind of, you know, you can't really tell because obviously she's really, really young. Right. Yeah. So it's hard, you know, it's hard for her to be able and to And I'm sure if they see two people fighting, like, I don't right. know that it occurs to little kids that strangers would ever fight, you know? They right, probably right. just think that's like things people who know each other do. Right. So Patty then stayed on the line for approximately 45 minutes trying to soothe the little traumatized girl. And while she talked to Shanna, Patty introduced or instructed a co-worker to contact the sheriff's office. And Sheriff Jean Taylor arrived at the Stryles' home a little after 5 p.m. that day. So Taylor noticed that the trailer door was open. And he, when he walked in and saw the living room area, was that, and it was in a state of disarray, um, indicating that the struggle had occurred in the living room. And the contents of Piper's purse were strewn on the floor along with other household objects. Um, Mm. So Taylor then went into the rear of the trailer to the bedroom where she found Shayna unharmed but crying and two-year-old Nathan, who was also unharmed, walking around in a dazed state. And, like, remember, like, so this happened on Nathan's birthday. Like, he was turning two that day. Shoot, that's right. Oh, God. And so it's always, like, I just feel so bad because it's always just going to be, like, every year on his birthday, it's not going to be happy. Right? It's going to have that that kind of, like... That that always just really sucks. Yeah. It's also crazy. When did this happen? uh, 1996. So, like, these kids are, like, my age. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. I wonder if they're still in South Dakota. I'm not. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That, hmm. I should look that up. Trying to think <laughs> if I know a Nathan or a Shayna. <laughs> they're like yeah. friends with them. But huh, so. That would be crazy. Right? Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. So Piper was nowhere to be found. And Taylor su- suspected that the children had been left to their own devices for quite some time. So Taylor and Jim Stevenson, who was a straight state criminal investigator who was called to the scene, questioned Shayna about what happened that day. And according to Roy Hazelwood and Stephen G. McCowd's Dark Dreams, the little girl told him that mommy's going to die and that a mean man came into the trailer, argued with their mother, and fired his gun. Ooh. Afraid that the man might harm her children, Piper told Shayna and Nathan to run and hide as the intruder grabbed her and took her away in his black car. The little girl also recalled the man taking Nathan's birthday present, which was a blue tent, before leaving. Oh, my God. Does this man have no shame you're going to take the birthday yeah. present? He's just a fucking piece of shit. All <laughs> oh, around. my God. He's just the worst. Ugh. So, um, a, a little more than an hour after Sheriff Taylor arrived, Vance came home. And Shayna immediately threw himself herself into her father's arms, and she began to cry. He questioned Shayna about what happened, and she was excited and stressed by the day's events and had difficulty trying to communicate. He was only able to make out that a man came in and stole Nathan's tent and that her mother wasn't coming back. Okay, so the sheriff comes, and Mm -hmm. more than an hour later, the dad comes home? Yeah. 
Wouldn't so, you think like he'd race I, home if this? I you'd think, but even so, the um the coworker of Piper called around three p.m., but the sheriff didn't even come to the trailer house until five. Yeah, that's so it's just really delayed, and I you know I guess maybe that's like I, I never mind. I was gonna say maybe it's like small town stuff like whatever but like they've they've got nothing else going on right where are they and i i feel like i read once that like statistically when someone goes missing every hour their percentage of like finding them alive goes Mm -hmm. down like significantly yeah so you would think i don't know that's just very yeah and like it's a small town there's not much you know it's not like there is much going on that would preoccupy right you know you can't make assumptions (sighs) there's not information about it but so Vance's true, con- true. concern then turned to horror when he learned more of the details from the sheriff and Stevenson. His wife had been abducted, and he all he could do was comfort his children and hope that the sheriff would find Piper alive. Then, three days after Piper's abduction, Vance remembered an important piece of information, which he had told to the police. It would prove to be the break they were looking for, and it would lead to the identification of one of South Dakota's most sadistic sexual murder- <gasps> murderers. Oh, my god a sexual murderer mm-hmm. the worst so think, kind yeah so i think later on i'll talk more about like what exactly it means to be a sexual sadist and like mm-hmm. that sort of thing because i love criminal minds so i love like mm-hmm. i love the psychology of all of this like yeah it's just so the profiling and... yes, yes the profiling so now we're going to talk about some of the witnesses. So we're going to get on into this. Mm, okay. So on July 29th, Vance told the police about a man he remembered visiting their residence several days prior to his wife's di- disappearance. He recalled that a balding man in his 20s named, named Rob Anderson came to their trailer at around 7.30 a.m. on July 26th to inquire about enrolling his kids into Vance and Piper's vital camp for children, which they operated every July. So he was, like, staking this out, basically. Wow. Right. So Vance claimed that Anderson seemed startled to see him as as if he didn't expect him to be home. And once Anderson overcame his initial surprise, he briefly asked about the camp. Vance referred him to Piper, who explained that the camp was over the summer, but suggested he signed his kids up for the next year. Anderson agreed and wrote down his name and telephone number before leaving. The first... Yeah, so he's writing down his name. Yeah, so we're gonna learn he's not the smartest. I always, (sighs) I always kind of have a theory like these kind of people, murderers, whatever, they're either insanely smart or they're just really dumb, stupid, dumb. Yeah, Yeah. they're either stupid, dumb, or insanely smart. There's really no one. He's gonna be stupid, dumb. I can feel it pretty much. Yep. So, especially the fact that he like gave the his real name, like that's the first, like really you right, (laughs) like. I mean, I'm glad that he did because they, you know, it was able they were to able to catch, catch him. him. But like, come on, you stupid! Like, you, you stupid! Dumb. You stupid! Okay, so the police immediately began investigating the information Vance gave them, and their new suspect was the 26 year old Robert Leroy Anderson, a maintenance man at John Morrell and Company meat pa- meat packing plant. They also learned that Anderson had been married twice, and he had four children. Wow, at 26, he's a busy guy. Yeah, he's he's got a lot going on. And of course, he works <laughs> on a meat packing plant. Yeah, just just yeah, just his whole like 
lights is just his really... whole vibe everything is just like <laughs> everything just kind of makes perfect sense <laughs> he just he's really killing the serial killer mm-hmm. vibe yep. the the yep. you know sexual yep. status vibe yep <laughs> so <laughs> several witnesses who were interviewed during the police investigation claimed to have seen a black truck in the vicinity of the Stiles trailer home on the day piper went missing one of the witnesses was a highway worker who told investigators that he saw a black Bronco approximately three times that day, once around 9.45 a.m., a second time around one hour later, and the final time at about 2.30 p.m. Um, a neighboring couple, couple told investigators that around 11.45 a.m. on the day in question, they witnessed a black Bronco close to the Stryles trailer. According to court documents, they noticed that Shayna and Nathan standing alone by the roadside looking upset. The neighbors saw the truck again about an hour later, and it was standing in the front of the driveway, and they saw a man in a black baseball cap and jeans walking towards the Stiles residence. So, just so like this all happened at 9.30? Yeah. Yeah, and so he's, like, coming back? Wouldn't that mean yeah. that he, like, was, oh, weird. Okay. Yeah, just, like, really. Another dumb thing. Turn yep. to the crime scene. Yep, another <laughs> stupid thing to do. Um, on July 30th, investigators contacted Anderson and asked him to voluntarily go to the police station to be interviewed, which he did. During approximately eight hours of videotaped questioning, Anderson calmly admitted to going to the Stryles trailer four days earlier. So even though he hadn't established and he hadn't established an alibi for July 29th, he did tell investigators that he returned to the Stryles house that day to ask permission to use the archery range on their property. But no one answered the door, so he left. Anderson denied knowing anything about her abduction or Piper's whereabouts. Eventually, they would obviously catch him up in his lies. Yeah. So mm. that's the so he admitted to being like going to the house mm-hmm. on the 26th. Um, or yeah, on the 26th, but then on the 29th, he's like, nope, that wasn't me. I, well, I went there, but then the, no one was home. So I left to use so, the archery range on their property. Yeah, what a weirdo. Yeah. And that so, first time that he showed up is the first time they met him. Right. When he was like, I want to enroll my kids. Yes. yes. Oh God. All right. So just like really, you know, like really creepy, weird kind dumb, of thing. And yeah. And like I said earlier, the reason he, like, Vance was home that day, and so he probably would have, you know, tried to abduct her that day if he wasn't home. So he's just kind of uh-huh. trying to, you know, learn more about their lives and, like, when to, you know, obviously oh, come in and do all that stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. that's blowing my mind that he probably would have abducted her that day. Yep. That didn't really yeah. even occur to me. <gasps> oh, God. <sighs> yeah. So, while the police were interrogating Anderson, investigators got a warrant to search his blue Bronco and home. During the search, they would find what would prove to be some of the most incriminating evidence found against Anderson. Unfortunately, it would not be lead to Piper's whereabouts, and in fact, she would never be found. No! Oh, that's even worse. I know. And I'm pretty sure I... I wrote this script a long time ago, but I'm I'm pretty sure they never found even her body. Like she just never was found. I mean, maybe she might. They might have. I can't, but I can't remember that happening. Uh huh. So that yeah, just really, uh, really sucky situation. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And he seems like the type who would admit right away. Like, okay, here she is. Exactly. Ugh. 
Exactly. Okay. So the investigators um, searched Anderson's truck and they discovered several receipts for duct tape, black water-based tempura paint, paintbrushes, and a bucket, most of which was purchased a few days prior to and on the day Piper went missing. Investigators suspected that the paint was used to describe disguise Anderson's Bronco, and the suspicions would prove to be correct. So, remember, all the witnesses said that they saw a black Bronco, but his was actually blue. So, he mm. had taken the time to paint his car, so it would be a different color. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, e- exactly. Like, okay. Okay, like that's uh, that's mm-hmm. like of all the things you're gonna try and yeah. cover up, that's the one thing you're, you're gonna, just gonna okay. paint it a different color and act like that <laughs> will make a difference. I'm sure people could tell too. Like, right? Like, you can't just paint a car and have right. it look good and normal. Yeah, with like tempera paint, like that's right. it's not gonna look good. God. So stupid, dumb, stupid, <laughs> so stupid. He tried so hard, but just didn't work. So. <laughs> So they called in experts to analyze the paint job on the truck more closely, and samples were taken and chemically tested, and they found that the Bronco had been painted with the material bought by Anderson around July 29th. The paint used was the kind that would be easily applied and washed off. Ugh. What? Okay. Just, I can't, yeah. like, that doesn't even, like, justify a comment yeah. because it's, it's so... It's just mm, so dumb. Like, not thought through. Mm-mm. So, interesting, what the heck am I trying to say? In, in, interestingly? <laughs> yes, interestingly. There it is. Uh, with, there it is. A witness <laughs> claimed that he saw Anderson cleaning his car the same day Piper disappeared. Um, it was believed that he was washing off the paint and ridding the car of any other incriminating evidence, yet he failed to do a thorough job. So, <laughs> so there. <laughs> surprise. Nope. No surprise there at all. So inside the Bronco, investigators found even more incriminating evidence. They discovered a wooden platform that had holes drilled into it, and it was believed that it was made as a restraining device, which a person's ankle and hands would be tied to. Oh. Um, yeah, very just horrible. Yeah. Um, and the platform had been sized to fit perfectly into the back of his truck. So, oh, God. Okay. Yeah. So it's just like you can just tell that this the kind of stuff that he did, like, this mm-hmm. wasn't gonna be a one-time thing that he did like yeah he, he this was gonna be something that he was gonna do a lot repeatedly yeah mm-hmm. he prepped for yeah he really more than one yeah so the investigative team also found hairs attached to the wooden platform which genetically matched piper's moreover they found a dirty shovel furniture moving straps weeds a toolbox and dog hair similar to those of the Stryles dog um, they were also found in the truck, and it became increasingly clear that Anderson had a darker side than which he had presented at the police station. I wonder so, what happened to the dog. I don't know. That's the only time they mentioned the dog. I think maybe it might have just right? been like the dog's hairs were on her clothes or something, yeah. something like that. So at Anderson's yeah. home, investigators found a pair of jeans in his laundry basket. basket. They were stained with what appeared to be blood. The genes were taken to a police lab and analyzed, and they found the DNA structure of the blood did not match that of Anderson or, or his family, and it was believed to have been Piper's blood. They also found semen stains on the genes, but they were not able to genetically match them to Anderson because they had been because they had such a limited uh, specimen to test. So, just gross. <sighs> yeah. Just disgusting. Disgusting. Disgusting human being. But. Mm-hmm. 
So during the search, investigators also discovered a set of handcuffs, handcuff keys at his home. However, um, Anderson denied that he owned a pair of handcuffs, which like, you, why would you have a handcuff key if you don't have handcuffs? Yeah. Like, that and makes no sense. What a weird thing to just show up yeah. at your house. Exactly. Like, so after questioning, Anderson was free to leave, yet the police had little doubt that he was involved in Piper's kidnapping. They just needed more proof to make the case. So... Oh, okay. They had little yeah. de- So they basically were like, this is the guy. I mean, yeah, her hair's like, in this car. Guy. Yeah, they just needed... Because at that point, that was when he was still being interviewed. So that's when, like, they were doing all of this investigating, like, while he was being interviewed. So they, you know, they couldn't keep him there because they hadn't put all of the pieces together quite yeah. yet. But they'll, don't worry, he doesn't stay free for very long. It's just so crazy because I keep, like, pick the streets of Sioux Falls you know like neighbors yeah. like mm-hmm. being like oh why are they he's at- just yeah he's just he's got a family he's got four kids and like it's you know wow probably seems like a normal ish kind of guy you know probably. and he's young at the time 26 yep. so he, yeah you know like it's yeah not... they're probably just like what the heck is going on right <laughs> you know how nosy south dakotans are you got oh my god of course <laughs> you gotta I'm... get up in other people's business. the best of us are i just mm-hmm. have to know everything yep okay on the same day of anderson's interview Shayna and vance were called into the police station to view a six picture photographic lineup one of the pictures was an outdated driver's license photo of anderson with long hair and a mustache Shayna and Vance were unable to identify the man that had come into their house. So I don't really understand that. Like, why? Why would they use that? I know. That's, yeah. they Because obviously a three-year-old's not going to be able to, you know. Differentiate. Yeah. Exactly. So that. But it probably would have been so traumatizing to bring in the yeah, real people. But, yeah. you know. That's, yeah, that's probably You got to, like, weigh the pros and cons, though, because mm-hmm. they and, they didn't they I think another reason why they didn't do an in-person one is because they didn't have Anderson arrested yet so mm. they didn't want him to like think that he was a suspect right and then yeah, that's like true. flee play, play somewhere or on the down low mm-hmm. yeah so uh where was I the positive I or wait um, oh, approximately two days later, Shana and Vance were asked to return to the police station to view more photos, and once again, Anderson's picture was included in the lineup, but this time they used a more current picture, depicting him with the shorter okay. hair and cleaner shaven. And almost immediately, mm-hmm. Vance picked out the picture of Anderson as the man who had come to their house on July 26th, and Shana separately picked out the same photo and identified him as the man who had taken her mother. Oof. Yep, there it is. There it is. So the positive identification gave Sioux Falls police the evidence they needed to press charges against Anderson. And on August 2nd, 1996, he was arrested on two counts of kidnapping. They were unable to charge Anderson with murder because they had there wasn't a body. So they, you know, snap. That's true. So they were unable to charge him with murder. Mm -hmm. So in September Mm. of that year, the police launched a massive search for Piper and any other evidence that might convict Anderson of murder. They wanted to make sure that he would be jailed for the full extent of his crime. They employed the help of hundreds of volunteers who searched the wooded area around the Big Sioux River and close close to the town of Baltic, South Dakota. Um, wow. Yeah. During the hunt for evidence, several significant items were discovered. Half of his shirt shorn down the middle and the logo code zero was found inside. It was the same shirt Piper was wearing on the day she disappeared. 
A man picked up the other half of the black and white striped shirt on July 29th on a road near Baltic. Hmm. I wonder how far Baltic is from Canastota. Um, I'm not sure. I could quick do a little Google search. Baltic, South Dakota. There's too many small towns. <laughs> There's so many small towns. There's just... So... Mm-hmm. Baltic. It's... In northern Minnehaha County, so it's like okay, up, so up barely, yeah. So not too, not too far away. Hmm. So uh, during the oh wait, so according to court documents, he initially thought that it was a referee's shirt. Yet he discovered it wasn't. Yet when he discovered it wasn't, he threw it in the back of his car and forgot about it. So he, this man, had picked up the shirt on the day that Piper had disappeared on the road, but oh. he didn't really think anything of it and just put it like threw it in his car. Yeah. So then, uh, like, then he later gave the police the shirt when he realized the significance of it. That is risky business to give him the missing half. Like, I, that's a wrong place, wrong time. Yeah, wrong, <laughs> like, yeah. why do you like, have... why? Yeah. But I think it was, you know, they already had, were pretty sure like, they knew who yeah. that was. <laughs> Thank goodness, yeah. or that guy would have oh, been toast. He would have <laughs> hated his life. <laughs> <laughs> so near the Big Sioux River, um, where the part of the uh, shirt was found, uh, was a roll of duct tape with human hairs hairs attached to it. And the hairs were later analyzed and found to be consistent with the samples taken from Piper's hairbrush. And moreover, the duct tape taken from the scene matched the roll dis- recovered from Anderson's truck two months earlier. Yeah. Yeah, so... More gruesome. The more gruesome physical evidence was discovered around the river, which included several lengths of rope and chains, eye bolts, a vibrator, and half-burned candle. And what it was, the hell? Mm-hmm, it was believed that the items were used to torture Piper. Oh my god! And they also presented clear evidence that Anderson was a sexual sadist. So uh, it makes me like cr- want to like crawl out of my skin. Mm-hmm. It just, just is hearing like, all those objects uh, used. Yeah, it's horrible. So, in May 1997, Anderson was tried and found guilty of kidnapping Piper, and he eventually was sent- sentenced to life imprisonment in South Dakota State Penitentiary. However, it, could, it would not be the only charge that he would be convicted of. Mm. So, according to a few um, criminology pro- professionals, there was significant proof that Anderson was a sexual sadist who was excited um, who was excited by the physical and psychological suffering and helplessness of his victim. So their opinion was based on four factors. So the first one is that Ander- Anderson display- displayed a, quote, obvious interest in sexual bondage, which is a hallmark of a sexual sadist. Mm, um, yeah, with that thing in the back of mm-hmm. his trunk. Yep. Number two is that the evidence found by investigators clearly indicated physical torture um, it was surmised that Piper was abducted. Anderson then drove her to a wooded area near Baltic. While there, he may have bound her to the platform, gagged her with duct tape, yada, yada, yada. I don't want to read the rest because it's yeah. all disgusting. Ugh. And I'm sure you can put the dots together. Yep. So um, number three is that Anderson admitted to the police and friends that he liked anal sex and a preference that his wife did not share. Um, and research was conducted by the two professionals, and they found that sexual sadists prefer, prefer this form of sex, which is just, Ugh. just, yeah, just, yeah, ugh, that's exactly how I yeah. to describe it. Just ugh. absolutely terrible thinking mm-hmm. then about ugh, what he could have done to Piper. Yep. Ugh. 
So, and number four, um, it was further suggested that sexual sadists, quote, habitually plan their crimes in much greater detail than other criminals do, which is, can be found with all his Look, previous yeah, planning. Yeah, he doesn't seem like a smart guy, but he, for, but he, he planned, planned it. you know, yeah. like, he, he had a plan, mm-hmm. especially if she wasn't found, like. Yeah, so not only was, like, it kidnapping and probably obviously murder but also mm-hmm. it would be premeditated kidnapping premeditated murder because he planned this out yeah. days earlier it wasn't just a random like heat of the moment sort of mm-hmm. thing which is probably even more terrifying than like the random ones just because it's like someone's watching you yes and, like, yeah that like feeling things. of voyeurism that you get like somebody Ugh. watching you without you knowing it and yeah, i hate just, that feeling just horrible I wonder if Piper ever got that, you know, if she ever was, like, I feel like something weird's going on, had those, like, spidey senses. Yeah. Just, like, just awful. So (laughs) awful. So horrifying. This world, like, there's some great things in this world, but there's also a whole lot of really, really Terrible, fucked up shit. That happens. Okay, so, unfortunately, Piper wasn't Anderson's only victim. Okay. So, yeah. So in 1991, so five years before Piper's abduction, Larissa, who's 29, and Bill Dumsky moved to South Dakota from the Ukraine, and they were eager to start a new life in the United States. And they both began working for the same meatpacking plant that um, Anderson worked at. Okay. So eventually, Bill found work elsewhere, but Larissa remained at the company, mostly working the night shift. And it was there that she befriended the plant's maintenance man, Robert Leroy Anderson. Mistake number one. Yeah. Mistake number one, moving to South Dakota. Mistake number two. (laughs) So this happened when is one you said? Nineteen ninety one. So he would have been (laughs) twenty one years old at this point. So he's young. So obviously I feel like eight years before. Yeah. And I feel like it's it's easier to trust younger people because you always kind of get that creepy vibe off of like you know older, older like the boomers yeah you're like mm-hmm. okay like the boomers. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like you know just creepy creepy stuff yeah Ugh. so um like with what does that say like so anderson confided his violent murder fan- fantasies with his friend glenn walker who shared a common interest so like fucked up people doing talking about fucked up stuff i'm sure they just egged each other on too yep and they both wanted to experience what it would be like to abduct a woman and then kill her because that's casual chit chat right yikes so together they devised an elaborate plan to kidnap larissa and anderson had been stalking her for several months Mm. yeah so Anderson and Walker put wheel poppers on the road specifically to, to damage Larissa's tires, hoping to abduct her after she stopped. Oh, my God. Like, oh, my God. Just horrible, horrible yeah. stuff. Terrible stuff, but definitely, like, planned out and... Yes. Ugh. Oh, God. So their plan didn't work, though, um, out the way they hoped, because Larissa did, Larissa did experience many flat tower- tires, yet she never stopped her car in an isolated place smart good job good on you larissa i'm proud of you for that one i need to do that i need to remember that don't yeah don't stop my car stop (laughs) just Just keep keep going going. or like if you like get a flat tire just like 
just just don't just it's just terrifying i don't hate the world it's so scary i wonder how obvious when i think of wheel poppers i think of something like really big but maybe it was like more subtle than that yeah you know yeah maybe So it made it difficult to abduct her because the risk that they would get caught um, was higher because she wouldn't stop in an ice. That's there. That's the thing. Don't stop like on the side of the highway. Mm-hmm. Go to like a gas station. You know, like, yeah, try to get somewhere, somewhere where other people where are. there's other people around. So um, they decided to try another method because mm. ew. So on August 26th of 1991. Anderson approached Larissa in the parking lot where they worked, and he held her at knife point and ordered her into his vehicle. Then Anderson and Walker drove Larissa to Lake Vermilion, where I am currently. I would go there all the time as a kid. Lake Vermilion. That's tainted now. Great. I was just so like I'm kind of I already have a fear. I have a fear of like dark water and stuff. I just don't like it. Yeah. And so now my fear because is even higher because like there could just be a, a dead body in the lake that's so true and like mm, some parts of like vermilion are very like boggy like marsh like and that's when i always am scared i just that I'm see i just don't body. like seeing what's in the water <laughs> <laughs> I just hate it. or robert leroy anderson comes out yeah, in the water just, like, just, like, <laughs> has scooby gear on like, He's, like the- hello <laughs> <laughs> okay so terrible to laugh so, about well you gotta that's the, you know, like, this is absolutely horrible, but you gotta, like, not make light of the actual story, but, like, you gotta, comedy is a good way yes, to, right? you gotta you know, laugh so you don't to, cry. Like, exactly, laugh so you don't cry. Yeah. So, um, they took her to Lake Vermilion, and when they arrived in the lake, Walker watched Anderson drag Larissa out of the car, and then he raped her several times. Um, and according to Hazelwood and McCod, which are the two criminology pro- professionals, Larissa pleaded desperately for her life, but Anderson ignored her. So, oh. how? Horrible. Like, I just don't even get how it's possible. It's, there's just, there's no emotion. They have, yeah, there's right? just nothing. Yeah, like sociopaths. They, yep, they're just, there's, there's nothing in their head at all. <sighs> Um, so during testimony given by Walker several years after the incident, he informed police that Anderson had suffocated Larissa with duct tape and buried her remains um, beneath a choked cherry bush. And at the time of Larissa's death, she was approximately six weeks pregnant. <gasps> no, oh, that's so heartbreaking. I know. I know. Oh no! And I want. I yeah. hope she didn't know you know what i mean like yeah you almost like hope yeah that's very true that would have been such an added like yeah. stressor yeah. to this whole situation mm-hmm. and the so shortly after anderson was convicted for the kidnapping of piper in 1997 walker his buddy mm-hmm. confessed to the police that he was an accomplice in the abduction of larissa and told them that he and anderson had methodically planned it out and carried out the kidnapping but he claimed that he was not involved in the rape or murder. And he also said that he would show the police the location. Okay, yeah, but you body. just stood there and watched. Yeah, you just, you're still an accomplice. Ugh. You know what I mean? Like, you're still, yeah, like, you kept it. You, this happened even in 1991. Even more, like, messed up. Yeah, this happened in 1991. And you didn't tell anybody about it until after he was convicted. So, like, nobody mm-hmm. knew that he had done this. Like, ugh, horrible. I wanted to say he was doing it. good on he him. Was just the, but the for... reason why he was doing it, though, was because he probably knew that Anderson would eventually confess to doing that himself. And he didn't want, he wanted to tell his side of it before 
Anderson got to tell his side. Oh yeah, that's a good. That's a good. You know, like he's mean, like to save I his want own to ass. say good on him for bringing just you know for like kind of saying like right. yes, confirming right, but, but also he's fuck doing you, it. Dude. For, yeah, he's doing it for the wrong reason. He's not the doing wrong reason. He's not doing it because he wanted like justice for her. He's doing it because he wants mm-hmm. to save himself, which is horrible. Yeah. So. On Ugh. May 20th, yeah, on May 20th of the year 1997, Walker led the police to Larissa's shallow, unmarked grave at Lake Vermilion. Um, yeah, right here I talked about, I wrote it and I was like, that's one of my biggest fears is like, I hate dark water, I hate fish, I hate all that stuff in lakes, and the fact that there are probably body- bodies in there too is just horrifying. Yeah, I don't like yeah. It. So, <sighs> that was literally, if I was a person who like found a dead body somewhere I don't think I would be able to recover I think I'd probably end up in like a mental hospital and I'm not yeah yeah like I don't think I would be able to handle that I mean even like when I go to open casket funerals and I see that dead body I'm shook to my core for Mm -hmm. like weeks after so seeing one that's like decomposing Mm -hmm. in the yeah I couldn't handle it either and I I see so many stories that they talk about when people find bodies they like say it's a mannequin because their brain just like won't let them process that it's a human being oh so like there's a lot of a lot of stories thanks brain yeah a lot of like your brain really does try to protect you yeah but so they like (sighs) they think it's a you know their brain tells them it's a mannequin because they don't want to accept the fact that it's like a human dead human being right yeah. So, after um, Walker took the police to Larissa's grave, they dug up her remains and they realized that portions of her skeleton were missing. Um, and a 1999 Midwest News article stated that the forensic experts recovered a total of 57 items related to La- La- Larissa, which included a tooth, a rib, the bones that from the left and right wrist, several fingers, a right foot and ankle, several finger- fingernails, a jaw and throat bones. I didn't know throat bones were a thing. I don't um, know it either. <laughs> Moreover, they found um, at and near the grave a pair of work gloves, shell casings, and bullets, Larissa's shoes, a part of her belt, and jewelry and pieces of her clothing. So, like, oh I'm surprised gosh. nobody, I'm honestly surprised nobody had found this before. That's a lot of stuff. And yeah. Like, they must I mean, have like, gone somewhere way, way out where nobody goes. Right? Especially for, like, shell casings and bullets. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I guess South Dakota is big hunting. But, like, mm-hmm. in the middle of, when was that? Like, August? Nobody's hunting, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, the authorities were baffled as to why only parts of Lurus's body was present at the grave. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no signs, um, there were no signs that large animals had disturb- disturbed the grave site because it was neatly covered over. Um, the police would get their explanation from an unlikely source several months later. Um, as we all know, murderers are either scarily smart or the dumbest people on earth. Anderson just so happened to be the later. Are we surprised? Mm, no. 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 So according to a January 20th, 2002 Aberdeen News article, Anderson's prison cellmate, Jeremy Brunner, contacted the attorney general's office in august 1977 with information about anderson's crime he told them that anderson bragged excessively and in great detail about the murders of piper and larissa during a one-week period in which they shared a cell burner was able to provide them with significant evidence that would further implicate anderson Uh, so he's like going around bragging about this way to go it reminds me of have you seen shawshank redemption 
Ugh. There's it's a prison movie and there's a scene oh. where this guy like goes on and on about all the crimes he's done and then it results yeah. in another guy getting free. So I guess like the better mm-hmm. of the two options to yeah. happen. But, but I was just oof. yeah, just horrible stuff. And I think the cre- so this article came out in January twentieth of two thousand two. That was like a month before I was born. Wow. I just don't like thinking about that. Like Right. I don't, it's just, like, obviously it doesn't make a difference. Like, I didn't make a difference in this at all. But, like, it's just weird thinking about, like, how this relates to you, even, like, just any sort of small connection that you can relate to yourself is really terrifying. Oh, my God. You know what is so crazy? And I was born in Aberdeen, so, like. Is that when this happened, I lived in Vermilion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When this happened, I lived in Vermilion. Yes. I grew up in Vermilion. And so. Yeah, I definitely was alive and, like, running around the streets of Vermilion when this was happening. That is so crazy to think. I didn't even put that together until he said that. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Wow. Okay. So, Brunner told the authorities that Anderson admitted that he was a serial killer and that he kept trophies of his victims at his grandmother's house. He even told Brunner that... (laughs) Okay. (laughs) so funny to me. I don't... That's not funny, but, like... Here, grandma can you can you uh just hide all these body parts of mine mm-hmm. oh my mm-hmm. god okay so he even told brunner the precise location of the items um they were later found exactly where he said tucked between the ceiling and the wall of anderson's grandmother's basement the stash included a ring and a necklace belonging to piper and larissa as well as anderson's gun hmm. okay so, yeah <sighs> Anderson told Brunner that he believed Walker might tell the authorities about the murders. He also had a feeling that Walker would reveal the location of Larissa's body in order to prevent the police from discovering the identity of Larissa, if ever found, um, which would link the murder to him. Anderson decided to remove her skull and teeth from the shallow grave. Um, And it was suggested that the remains were exhumed where they were thrown from Anderson's car window as he drove from the scene. Brenner's story explained why the police only found parts of Larissa's body. Hmm. So he's like, I'm going to take her, I'm going to take her skull, and that's going to make it so they can't identify her. Hmm. But he left her, like, clothes that she yeah, was Yeah, like, everything else that... Yeah. Yeah. Just dumb. Just okay. stupid. Just stupid dumb. dumb. Okay, so Brunner um, claimed that Anderson also bragged about abducting Piper. He said that Anderson admitting to rape to raping her and strangling her before disposing of her body in the Big Sioux River. So another river. Great. Great. Um, another river for us to be yep. scared of. Yep. Witnesses said that they saw Anderson on several occasions the day of Piper's disappearance, disappearance and Brunner explained that the reason of, for this was because Anderson forgot his watch and the tent and returned to the trailer to retrieve them. Hmm. So he's like, oh shit, forgot my watch. Better go back to get it. Wow. <laughs> like, At that okay. point, I'd be like, the watch is done. <laughs> yep. No, I'm, I I don't need to tell time. Yeah, I'm good. I don't need to tell time ever again. I'll good. just guess. I'll look at the sun. <laughs> I'll just guess. So um, during another conversation, Anderson asked Bronner um, to murder Walker because he dis- distrusted him and didn't think he would remain silent about the crimes, which he didn't. Um, so he wanted Brunner when he got out of jail to, to murder Walker for him. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, and Brunner, Brunner agreed. <laughs> 
So when he agreed, Anderson drew up two maps for him. One of the maps um, depicted the location of Walker's house, and the other map showed where Anderson's grandmother lived. He told Brunner that in her basement he would find his gun. Can you just imagine this this guy sitting in jail being like drawing out a map and be like, (laughs) I I, I mean, like a. I picture like a little kid, you know, like they have right? like, a house and then it's just a line that goes to another like house. Right, right, right. <laughs> With, like, I, mean, I guess he doesn't have much other stuff to do, but yeah, but still. I just think it's like, like just like a, you know, like a hardened criminal house. being like, yeah, a little, yeah. A little stick house, and they're like, okay, this is here's the church, and if you go west of the church, that's my grandma's house. <laughs> Like, it's just weird. It's just so weird. Only in small town America, too, would the grandma's house actually just be, like, just a little bit west of it. Yeah, yeah, just, like, two houses west of the church. That's it. (laughs) It's got some wind chimes out the front. Like, uh, yeah. Small towns are creepy. (laughs) They are. They are. They're wild. So, um, even though Brunner agreed to kill Walker when he got out of prison, he had no intention of actually following through with the deed. Instead, Brunner struck up a deal with the police, exchanging the information he gathered for a shorter prison sentence. Brunner's testimony, along with what he had, with that taken from Walker and Hammer, proved to be the instrumental in securing another conviction. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, that's the thing, though. They always... You know, these criminals, these goddamn criminals, they always uh-huh. do things for their own good. They really do, but like, okay, Brunner. But like, okay, like, you're. Look at you. <laughs> being smarter than Anderson was. That's Way smarter than there. Anderson. I mean, yeah. I, like, if I was a hardened criminal, I guess I would only have my own interests at heart because I'm, who can yeah. you trust, you know? Like, you can't. Nobody deserves your trust. They have to earn I it. mean, I guess. Anderson Mr. Shouldn't, have, shouldn't have trusted him. Rob Anderson yep. is very trusting. Mr. For Rob us. Anderson. God. Ugh. Okay, so on September 4th, 1997, Anderson was charged with murdering Larissa, um, and he was also charged with the rape and murder of Piper's trial because he basically admitted to it. Yeah. So his trial was scheduled to begin in March 1999, and this time he would not be so fortunate. So Anderson's trial took place in South Dakota's Minnehaha County circuit court um during the first week of march 1999 the attorneys representing the case were john a something like that and mike <laughs> butler <laughs> and mike butler <laughs> yes that's um, an easy one yes Deputy Attorney General Larry Long. That's an easy one, too. Larry yep. Long. Larry Long. Sounds that like sounds Spongebob like, character. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. <laughs> so, heading the prosecution team and Judge Tim Dallas Tucker presided over the case. So, a bunch of white mm. dudes. Love that. Great. But sounds like, like South Dakota. Yeah, but, like, they're they're okay because, well, except for the, the, good, the defense good guys, attorneys. Right? Mr. Yeah. Schlemenge. Schlemenge. Schlemengeling. Schlemengeling. So the trial lasted approximately one month. So during the proceedings, Shanna's testimony was never heard, although her description of the events that took place in July 29, 29 1996, was presented to the court. Honestly, glad that they didn't make her testify because that is a very traumatizing experience for a child. Right. Yeah. To have yeah. to relive that moment. Yeah. So uh-huh. good. Good on. Good on them for not forcing that poor child to do that. Seriously. 
So um, eyewitnesses and who are Anderson's friends and his one-time cellmate, Bruner, also testified. And the evidence against Anderson was overwhelming and the defense didn't stand a chance. Like, if I was the defense attorney in this, I'd be like, dude, just take a plea bargain because you're yeah. <laughs> yeah, really, seriously. So on April 6th, a jury of eight men and eight women quickly returned their verdict because, duh, duh, Anderson was found guilty on four counts, including the rape and murder of Piper and the kidnapping and murder of Larissa. Three days later, the same jury sentenced Anderson to death by lethal injection. Wow. Yeah. South Dakota doesn't get a lot of those, so Mm-mm. you know Very you done few. fucked up when you get that. Yeah. I wanted to do, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to do an episode eventually where I talk about, like, um, the, like, death penalty cases in South Dakota. Mm, and I wanted yeah. to do it with our good friend Joe Gable because that would be uh, Of course, yes. I just feel like that'd be a good one for him. It really would be. He'd so, have lots of opinions. Yes. Some so correct, look, look some forward, politically some incorrect. <laughs> so everyone look forward to that in the future. <laughs> I can't wait. So um, on July 6th, or wait, so Anderson's friend Walker was tried for his crimes in March 2000. Thank God. Um, he pled guilty to the okay. attempted kidnapping of Amy and what attempted kidnapping of Amy Anderson accessory to I didn't read this very carefully. Who's Amy Anderson? Is that his wife? That might be a did his oh, friend try to kidnap his his wife? <laughs> oh my God! Could you? Im- it's stupid, <laughs> dumb. Okay, wow. well that's weird. <laughs> and accessory to uh, kidnapping and the first degree murder and conspiracy to kidnap Larissa. He received a total of 30 consecutive years behind bars at South Dakota State Penitentiary. Yay. Yay. <laughs> so in January 2002, a month before I was born. Great. Anderson filed for a, yep, Anderson filed for a death sentence appeal um, to the South Dakota Supreme Court. And according to the Aberdeen News, his lawyers presented 18 issues in their, the appeal. Some of the arguments, inclu- arguments raised included a secret deal between prosecutors and Jamie Hammer, who was one of his friends. Um, in exchange for testimony. Hmm. So they're basically like, the prosecutors like gave this guy this deal to testify, so mistrial. Like, yeah. Uh, I wonder if Pretty true. much anything they can get just to like get more time. Right. Yeah. Piece of shit. Yes. So um, Anderson complained that he had, was not tried separately for the abduction and murder of Larissa, nor did he get the chance to confront Shayna about and that he was denied the right to make a statement to the jurors before his penalty was handed down. Uh, yeah, right. You weren't you weren't allowed to confront Shayna. Yeah, like no. Three years old. Right. Like you don't want to. I see can't believe you. he would even suggest that he had some sort of right to do that. Yeah, exactly. That's just so stupid. Okay, so the Supreme Court met to discuss Anderson's appeal in March 2002. The court would finally make their decision in May 2003, but Anderson would never hear the final results because. This piece he killed himself. Mm, he spoiled it. <laughs> <gasps> Did he really? Uh, on March 30th, <laughs> while attempting the outcome in this appeal, Robert Le- Leroy Anderson committed suicide. <gasps> I freaking knew it. I freaking <laughs> knew it. You did know it. You did. You did knew it. <laughs> I you knew know it. it. So Joe Kafka of the Associated Press claimed that Anderson was, quote, not was not in his death row cell, but was alone in a segregation cell when he was found hanging by a sheet tied to a bar. Snap. Yeah. He was placed in the isolation because he was found in possession of a razor blade. And it was likely that he obtained the blade to use as a weapon of self-destruction. 
Wow. So this you know, yeah. I, I feel like when you have sociopaths who have no feelings and are probably mm-hmm. like maybe a little bit egotistical, mm-hmm. they always kill themselves because mm-hmm. it's like, I'm going to die on my own terms. Yeah. Yep. They want the power. They want the power. Damn. So approximately three months before Anderson killed himself, his father had committed suicide as well. He died from a gunshot wound to his head, and his father's actions may have been the catalyst which prompted him to take his own life. Hmm. Kafka quoted Larry Long saying that there's a whole lot of women who will sleep better knowing that this guy is deceased. Hmm. Kafka further quoted Piper's husband, Vance, saying that, quote, that is what... Oh, sorry, let me start that again. We're just going to be taking a quick break since I seem to be having a stroke so that I can thank you for listening this far into the episode. I'm super proud of this episode and I'm so excited for where this podcast is headed in the future. I have a lot of really exciting stories coming and though I am a college student and I don't have as much time as I would like to focus on this podcast, I am definitely going to be posting episodes as regularly as I can, hopefully every two weeks or so. So let's just jump right back into the episode and hopefully I will be able to speak clearly again. Kafka Kafka further quoted Piper's husband Vance saying, this is what we're we're after anyway. It just saved some time and effort. So after Anderson committed suicide, Mm. the Supreme Court of South Dakota dismissed his appeal and court documents suggested that that they would have upheld Anderson's criminal convictions anyways, because duh. And another factor in his suicide could have also been that he knew that his appeal would have been denied. Duh. That's gotta be why he did it. Like, ugh. So that's the story of Robert Leroy Anderson. And more importantly, that is the story of Piper and Larissa and how they eventually got some kind of justice even though what happened to them was absolutely absolutely horrible I just wish that like we could have we could know where Piper's body is and what yeah you know happened to her remains well yeah they all they said is somewhere by Big Sioux River so yep yikes you know yeah. what? There's, there is, it kind of like, it, it kind of freaks me out because um, if you think about it, like mm-hmm. his four kids. Yeah. And not that it's like, you know, like mm-hmm. his four kids are out there and whether or not they like, you know, really had anything to do with him. It sucks that he's kind of tarnished their names now too. Mm-hmm. It's so sad. Oh. Um. I think I, so. I just decided to look up um, Shayna Stryles to like see, and oh yeah, she seems like she ended up with a pretty good life. So oh, that's so good. Yeah, like the first result is like a wedding and stuff. So like that's good. I'm happy for her. Good. That that's that's nice. You should Google that Amy Anderson. I want to know what Walker Amy, did yeah. to Amy. Oh, I just looked at a picture of him, and he looks like oh, a no. freak. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That's absolutely horrible. <laughs> he kind of looks like um, uh, Kevin from, was it Kevin? Yeah, Kevin from The Office. Mm-hmm. He's got that same kind of face. Oh, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
It's mm-hmm. terrible face to have. <laughs> I know. It's just not good. <gasps> oh, my God. Um, I found the Amy what? Anderson story. Oh, you did? Yeah. Tell oh, me. Wow. Now you this can is... tell me. Now I'm the, the now host. Now you're the host. <laughs> Listen to this. Okay. So when they first got those, like, tire poppers mm. that um, they tried to use on Larissa, they tried mm-hmm. to use it on another woman first who was Amy Anderson. No relation to Robert Leroy Anderson. It was both that guy and Robert Leroy Anderson. And so Mm -hmm. this Amy Anderson, I guess, like, hit the wheel poppers. Um, Mm -hmm. It all happened, like, right outside of T. And as soon as her tire, like, you know, went flat, she, Mm -hmm. like, pulled over, started changing it, got out of her car. They like started strangling her. They dragged her off the road into a wooded area, and she got yes. And she was able to like run into the road, and she like got the attention of passing cars. And so she, but like she didn't know. She didn't get a good Mm -hmm. look at them. She was like, I don't really know who they were. I've heard about this before. This part only. It's woman crazy. Um, but then, like, when everything went down with Florissa and Piper, Amy was able to be like, oh, my God, oh my God. that's the guy that's who little, tried to yep. kidnap me. Shit. Well, that's really interesting. Glad you found that. <laughs> that is just so, that's so crazy. Mm. Yeah. So that just goes to show that South Dakota is not exempt from having crazy psycho sexual sadists. I mean, God, we don't have a lot, but the ones we do, yeah. they go hard. At, they just, I guess, like they're they're really stupid. And they just really go for it. Really stupid and really <laughs> fucked up. Like yep. they do some terrible things. Just why can't we just have like a nice little stabbing I, and be done with it? This is why we can't have nice things. Well, I guess we should wrap it up. So everyone, yeah. everyone out there listening, if you made it through this story, thank you so much for listening. I hope. You learn something about, you know, even though this is an absolutely horrible story and it's terrible what happened to these women. But thanks for listening anyways so we can inform the public and get their stories out there because they their stories deserve to be heard too. So yes, thank you all for I'm listening. I'm so happy they got justice. Yes. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Maddie, for being on this podcast. I'm yes, so thanks for having me. This is definitely going to be the best episode I have yet. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Woo. So, yeah. Just thanks, everyone. And I'll see you again for another true crime story at some point in this (laughs) lifetime. In this COVID era. Yes.